0: much, Steve. I think we're really blessed to have Steve in our congregation and his uh, willingness to serve and to use the gift God has given him. So, thanks. Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service, and as we open our Bibles to learn, we always come to God and ask Him to help us to understand. So let's pray. Lord, as we open our Bibles today now, and uh, we want to come to a deeper understanding of what our calling is all about and our relationship with you. We don't just want to know about you, we want to know you personally. So reveal yourself to us today, open our minds and our hearts to take in what we read and draw us closer to you in that. So Lord, we know the Holy Spirit's going to do his work here and we just pray uh, that you help us now and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you notice, we're going to have our communion service today, and uh, different churches have communion services with different regularities. There are some churches that have it every week. There are some churches that do it once a year. We've come to do it once a month. And I think it's good that we don't just do it once a year, but we do it more often, because there's so much more meaning that we need to understand about the communion service. We should never take it for granted. We should never take the bread and the wine or the grape juice haphazardly or uh, without preparing ourselves. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the communion service today. And, of course, our communion service is open to all believers. Whether you're a regular member of our congregation or not, if you have faith in God, you're invited to come and participate. And we have bread, and we also have your choice of wine or grape juice. Uh, The Bible calls it the fruit of the vine, so whatever form it's in, it's meaningful and it works. So uh, the title of the sermon is The Covenant Meal. The Covenant Meal. What is a covenant? Well, it's a word that you read about a lot in the Bible. There are many different covenants mentioned, uh, but there are two basic ones. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. Uh, And even though there are many different covenants, God had a covenant with Abraham, God had a covenant with Noah that he would never uh, flood the earth again or allow the earth to be flooded, and he put the rainbow up in the sky to signify that. There are several different covenants, but there are two basic ones that we should be well familiar with. There's one called the Old Covenant, and there's one called the New Covenant. And if I were to ask you, do you live under the terms of the Old Covenant or or the New, what would you say? Thank you. Amen. (laughs) There was a time where we were a little confused about that, and we thought we were kind of living under both of them. But, you know, we've come to, to see and to understand that the old covenant really has come to an end and you can't live under it anymore even if you wanted to but thanks be to God that we live under the new covenant now which is much 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 better and we'll read a little bit about that as we go on I'd like you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24 and what does this have to do with communion uh, or food in general understand that back in what we call Bible days, the time of the Old, Old Testament and the New Testament when Jesus was on earth, food was an important part of everyday life, and it was especially an important part of covenant making. And this was not just in you know, Bible times, but throughout the whole Middle East in ancient times, food was important when it came to two people or two parties making an agreement And it seems kind of odd to us today because we make agreements. We go to the bank and we sign contracts or sign papers or take out loans or we go buy a car and make an agreement with the uh, financial department in the car dealership and there's never any food involved in it. So that doesn't really hold true today, but it did in ancient times. Now I want to look at at an example of when the Old Covenant was actually made. Now, we know the story. There was a nation in slavery in Egypt at the time, and God entered into the scene, so to speak, and he had pity on this nation, Israel, in slavery in Egypt, and he decided that he was going to bring these people out of slavery. He called the leader Moses, who was going to be the man who was going to lead them out of slavery, and they were going to become God's people. So God did just that, and when he brought them out of slavery, he rescued them through many miracles, brought them out of slavery and into freedom, Uh, they crossed the Red Sea and so on, and at that point, God was going to do something official to make them his people. He was going to enter into an agreement with them. So as the story goes, he called the elders of the nation, Moses and all the elders, to come up on top of Mount Sinai. And he was going to give them his law. And he said, if you obey my law, you are going to be my people. We're going to make an agreement here. And uh, if you decide to be my people and obey the law, great things are going to happen for you. Now, this didn't have anything to do with spiritual salvation and eternal life, but it had to do with them having a promised land to enter into, of having a rain in due season, of God protecting them from all their enemies that are going to be around them all the time. Well, let's read what happened here in Exodus 24, beginning in verse 1. Then he, God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near." And the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said we will do. Okay, so there's the agreement. God spells out if if they're going to be his people, here's how they have to live, here's all the rules and regulations, and the people agree. So an agreement is made, a covenant is made here between the two parties. So they said, "...everything the Lord has said we will do." Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls. This is important. Here's where the food comes from for this meal. They sacrificed, uh, offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as a fellowship offerings. To the Lord. Moses took half of the blood, put it in bowls, and the other half he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people. That's a strange thing to do. So you're standing there in the midst of all this happening, and all of a sudden, Moses takes this blood from the dead oxen that were just killed and sprinkles it on you. What does that mean? All of a sudden, you know, you're wearing your new outfit (laughs) and you're attending this gala festival and all of a sudden you got blood all over you. Well, that was a way of saying or kind of acting out the reality that what is happening here, all this agreement, this covenant that is being made applies to you personally. It's not just the nation that is making this agreement but it's you personally that are a part of this agreement you're you know saying to God not just the nation but you yourself all that the Lord has said I will do it's not just a matter of we will do it but I personally will do that that's going to have meaning later on when we talk about the new covenant So anyway, Moses sprinkles the blood on the people. This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So verse 9, Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and notice they ate And drank. So God has a meal with them. What did they eat? Well, the oxen that were just sacrificed, whose blood was sprinkled on all the people. God actually ate a meal to to ratify the covenant, the agreement between himself and the people. Isn't that interesting? Now start to think about, okay, we're about to have a meal here with God it's about a covenant, okay? So the Old Covenant meal was shared by God and the elders of Israel. Now, we know the rest of the story. Unfortunately, Israel as a people and as individuals did not live up to the agreement, right? The Old Covenant was was ratified and the people were expected to obey, but the whole rest of the Old Testament is a history of Israel's failings, of how they fell away from God, they sought after pagan gods, they disobeyed God, they broke the covenant, so they were punished time after time, armies invaded their land, took them into captivity, and then they would start to get back in good Straits with God, and then they would fail again, and then they would have kings come in and rule over him. Some of the ones sought God, some of the ones turned from God, and that's the whole basically the whole Old Testament. But we're talking about centuries here of history that this went on. But there came a time, and I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 31 that God talked about a new covenant. You know, the first one didn't work. Why? Not because of God. God was there to do His part, but it was because of the people. They failed miserably in keeping the laws that they had agreed to. So the Old Covenant eventually came to an end. But God said this through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 33. Well, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. Let's start there. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, whom I took them by the hand uh, to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So this is a new covenant that God was going to make and uh, those are are the terms of the new covenant under which we're living that we enjoy. Because now the new covenant is a covenant not with tablets of stone with strict laws on them. Uh, The penalty for breaking many of them was the death penalty or to be banished totally from the, the nation of Israel. This is a different covenant. It involves forgiveness. It involves having God's purpose for us in our hearts and in our minds and uh, the Holy Spirit to help us to understand and to help us to live the right way. So this is the covenant that came along later, and this is the covenant by which we live. Now, just as there was a meal shared between both parties when it came to the old covenant— There is also a meal involved when God ratified the new covenant. When did that happen? Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. We see this meal taking place at the Last Supper with Jesus meeting with his disciples. And at that Last Supper, we know that they shared a meal together. And it wasn't just an ordinary meal. It was the meal that was to ratify the two parties, to bring them together to agree to the new covenant, the new covenant. And just as a meal was important with the old covenant, and God was involved in it, so there was a meal involved with the new covenant under which we live, and God is involved in this meal as well. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 27, it pictures the... uh, Jesus Christ and the disciples at the Last Supper. Let's pick it up in verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, so here they are at a meal, God is there participating. Of course, it's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Notice, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So here is a meal involved, just as on Mount Sinai, where the old covenant was ratified. Here's God ratifying the new covenant with a meal. And this time it is with the disciples sitting with Jesus. The new covenant meal shared by Jesus and the disciples, it's the partaking of The body and blood of Jesus, of course, as he said, it's a remembrance of his death on the cross. That's important, too. But it is also the meal ratifying the new covenant, the new covenant which we're a part of. So we weren't there 2,000 years ago when this event took place, but we are here today. See, because Jesus meant for this ratifying meal, a meal to formally come to terms with the New Covenant and enter into it, he meant for that meal to be a continual thing. It wasn't just a one-time thing in history. So he provided, in fact, there's a scripture that says, whenever you eat of it, he meant this meal to be an ongoing thing. Why does this meal that formalized the New Covenant, why does it need to be continued? Why does it need to be done on a regular basis? because God wants us to be reminded of the a covenant that we entered into with God when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We became members of that agreement, formal members of the agreement, the new covenant. God wants to remind us on a regular basis of what we're a part of. And just as the disciples met with Jesus before his crucifixion for that meal, drinking the elements of the the bread and wine. We're doing that now. Why do we have to keep doing it? Because we're human and we forget and we get involved in other things and we have other priorities. God keeps bringing us back to the table to remind us that we have agreed to this new covenant when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. Our life changed from that point forward. No longer is it our own life to live. It is God directing us, guiding us, urging us to live a certain way, a spirit-led life, a uh, Christ-centered life. And we all need that regular reminder. So it's a good thing that we have a communion service because we're continually brought back to Jesus Christ. Because he is the central focus of the new covenant under which we live. And if we didn't have this, we would tend to forget. It wouldn't be important to us. And uh, we would drift from God. But he continually brings us back. And in a sense, we're participating with this Last Supper. Because you know what? We're disciples of Jesus Christ, just as the Twelve were. Jesus is here with us. You don't see him right now. But I guarantee you that he is in this room with us right now. Why? Because he actually dwells in each of us, since we are Christians. So we know that he is here with us, just as he was there with the 12 apostles at the Last Supper. So the communion service is vitally important. It's a reminder of who we are and where we're going. And certainly it is a remembrance of Jesus' death on the cross, but it is also a reminder of, that we have agreed to a covenant, a new covenant, much, much better than the old covenant. The old covenant was a very harsh covenant, and it led to death for so many because they broke the rules and regulations. The new covenant is a covenant of life because it involves forgiveness of sin. It involves mercy and grace. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather be a part of the new covenant than the old. Those were hard times. And remember the story when the Israelites were about to enter into the, the promised land after 40 days of causing God grief in the wilderness. They were not allowed to enter the promised land. God said, forget it. <laughs> this has been too much of a burden. And it wasn't the age necessarily of forgiveness because the Israelites were not repented. So they were not allowed to enter the promised land. They all died in the wilderness, except for two people, of course, we know. Turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 1. So, you know what? A communion service is not just the haphazard thing or kind of a fond little cultural thing that we do. It's an important reminder of who we are. And it's something we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. We live under the new covenant, thanks be to God, under His grace and under His forgiveness. This thing about the people being sprinkled with blood, Peter says an interesting thing here in 1 Peter 1. Well, beginning in verse 1, he starts the letter off by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, so he's saying who's writing this letter, to God's elect, that's who it's addressed to, to the church, to us, to God's elect, strangers in the world, and we are that, because we're not living the way the world lives, we're living the way God wants us to live. To God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Do you ever think of yourself as sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ? Just back, remember the the, uh, Ceremony concerning the ratifying of the Old Covenant, Moses took the blood of the oxen that were sacrificed and he sprinkled the people. And those blood droplets on their clothing reminded them, hey, it's not just a general agreement between God and the nation, but it's a personal agreement between God and me. So likewise, he talks here about the fact that we are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like the Israelites, we can kind of, in a sense, imagine what it would be like to look down at our clothing and see red spots all over it. And that's exactly what has happened. When Jesus Christ was crucified, his blood was taken, and we were sprinkled with it. And the meaning is the same. The new covenant isn't just an agreement between God and the church, it's an agreement between God and you. That sacrifice that was performed of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, his blood has been sprinkled on you personally. So the new covenant isn't just some sort of agreement that we've heard about with the church and thinking of it in just general terms. No, it is a very personal agreement between God and you personally. And it's not the blood of an oxen that we've been sprinkled with. It's the the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that if God gave us the eyes to see, we could look down and see those blood droplets all over us. And this isn't something that you've been forced into. This is something that you've entered into of your own volition. Because you heard the gospel, and you responded to it, and said, wow, that was done for me? Yeah, I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have eternal life in heaven with God. And you were granted that. So what does that have to do with our communion service? Well, when we go through the line, we realize what this means. Yeah, it's the body and blood of Jesus, but it's also the sprinkling of blood on us that we're being reminded of. We're being reminded of the agreement that we made. We want Jesus to be our Savior to bring about the forgiveness of our sins through his sacrifice on the cross. He paid the penalty that we all owed for uh, sinning and breaking God's law, but now we're led by the Spirit. We're living under grace, and God loves us with an unconditional love. And when we take that bread and wine, we get the big picture of what this all means and who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. So in the Old Testament blood was sprinkled on the people, so likewise, under the terms of the new covenant, Jesus' blood is sprinkled on us, and it has powerful meaning. One last scripture here in Romans 5. You know, back in Old Testament times, or the times of Jesus for that matter, you only ate a meal with specific people. The custom was to have a meal together with somebody showed that you were at peace with them. You didn't sit down and have a meal with your enemies. And it was an honor to be invited to a meal. And if somebody invited you to their home to have a meal, you didn't turn it down because it was a very heavy symbolism and there was a lot of meaning behind it. For somebody to invite you over to their house meant that they felt that they were at peace with you. There were no disagreements, no arguments, that it was going to be a peaceful setting, that you both could come and enjoy a meal together and not have to worry about what this person might do to you, slip you some poison, or pull out a knife and stab you to death. It was not a place for controversy. It was not a place for argument. A meal was a very special setting. It meant fellowship. I don't know if you would go as far as to say it meant love, but it certainly meant acceptance and that you were in good with this person. So you didn't turn down invitations to meals back in those days because you don't want to reject somebody reaching out to you in peace. You know, come to my home We'll sit down, we'll enjoy our company, we'll enjoy a meal because I want to show you that we're in good together. Amen. We're at peace with one another, okay? Now, when we have this meal here, God is inviting us and for him to invite us to this meal, he is showing us that we, he considers that we're at peace with him. Now, we haven't always been at peace with him, have we? Because prior to our calling and prior to us becoming Christian, we were cut off from God because we were very sinful people. And our sin upset God. We we broke his intentions for us as to how we were to live. So we were cut off from him. We were an adversary to God. But he did something to change our standing with him. There was nothing we can do to change that standing of being enemies of God. But God took the initiative. He sent his son down to this earth to live a perfect life and to go to the cross. So God had to take the initiative. And through Jesus' death on the cross, we are no longer considered enemies to God. We are now at peace with him. And that's why it says here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Let me turn there as well. Romans 5. Verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this whole concept, this cultural concept about if you have a meal with somebody, you are at peace with him. It's a kind of an outward sign of peaceful relationship. So through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, peace has been made between us and God. We used to be his adversaries because of our sins, but since Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, we can now come into God's presence. He invites us into his very presence to sit down and have a meal with him. That's what the communion service is. So when we go back to the table and you take that bread and you take that uh, drink, we can have confidence, and we are assured that our relationship with God is good. And it's not because anything we've done to fix it, it's what Jesus did to fix it. He is our peace, and he has made peace in our relationship with the Father. So you don't have to worry when you go back to the table now as to whether you're in good with God or whether you're in the doghouse, so to speak, because you know you've sinned this past week, most likely, I think we all probably did in one way or another, but you don't have to worry. You know, over the years, we've had people, whether it was years ago at the Passover service or now today with the communion service, who we invite you to come to the table, and they sit there, and they're timid, and they're worried, and oh, dare I go back there. I know what I did this week. I really blew it. I really messed up. I, I messed up big time. I sinned. I did something that I used to do, and I tried to quit, and now I did it again. And what's God going to think of me? If I go back there to that table, I'm a hypocrite, because I know I'm a sinner. And they worry what their relationship with God is. But we have the confidence to know now that when we come to the table, peace has been made between ourselves and God. It's okay to go there. You're welcome there, <laughs> okay? But it's not something that you did to fix it. It's what Jesus did to fix it. He is our peace. So we understand that. We, we never have to fear coming into God's presence. We're told to come boldly into God's presence because we're a son or a daughter of his now. The relationship has been fixed and we don't fall out of relationship with God. God. You no, know, he's got that grip on us that he's never going to let go. So we can come to, to the communion table, be reminded of the fact that this is not just the body and blood of Jesus, but this is the covenant meal that Jesus had with the disciples. And we're disciples of Jesus. And he commanded that this meal continue on a regular basis. Why? As a reminder of who we are and who God has made us to be. And he's not a welcher. He's not going to go back on the terms of the new covenant. He's not going to change his mind about us. We are his beloved children. And he welcomes us to come back to the meal. So it's a covenant meal. It's many things. But think today that it's a covenant meal. This is the new covenant. It's a good covenant. I've never heard of any better covenant than this. Because it's based on God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy and his love for us. And God put a lot of effort into preparing this covenant and uh, this reminder for us. So I hope you go back to the table with some of this in mind. Just reflect on that and what a, a blessed people we are. And God has opened the doors to anybody who wants to come to this agreement, this new covenant, and he hopes that all will accept the terms of the covenant and want to be God's children as well. So uh, I'll tell you what, we need some help today for people just holding the trays. Uh, could we have the two fry girls, would you care to go back there and just stand at the table and hold the tray? I'd appreciate it.